When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray. And this week is all about the youngsters. We see Alcaraz with his third title of the year taking Barcelona with some Nadal-like success at an early age, and it doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. The young boy is a beast. And speaking of not stopping, Iga Sviatek with her 23rd straight win in the last month and a half. Fourth title, win Stuttgart. Flawless transition from hardcore to clay. This young girl can play and she's showing the value of momentum. You know, getting number one in the world doesn't, it's not just about being good. You also got to build momentum for yourself. And when you feel it, you got to keep it going. You can't take a break. You can't take off and say, you know what? I'm just going to go to play the mandatories and that's it. She showed up in Stuttgart, sensing that she had the momentum and extended her win streak to 23. And what a move by Wimbledon. I mean, I'm not sure I agree with it. The Russian and Belarusian players, they didn't start the war. They may not necessarily agree with the war, but you can't penalize somebody because of where they were born, right? Because of who their parents were in their nationality. I think it's unfair. I think it's a bad decision. It's one thing to strip the flags and it's one thing not, not list the country next to their names, but to totally ban a person because they are from a country with, you know, poor political views and starting an, an unjust war. I think that's a bit extreme and it's punishing individuals for actions of one man. We got Patrick Maratoglu starting out with Simona Hallett. Also, if you watch the subtleties being unfollowed by Venus and Serena, we thought this was just a break, you know, while Serena was taking some time off, you step out with Hallett. But when you see people unfollow each other in this time of social media and what little things mean and what little innuendos, could it be the end of the Patrick and Serena relationship? And then we want to introduce Anna Kanju, a young player who had a lot of success at, early, at an early age, battled some injuries, showed that she's committed to the game. A lot of people get injuries that last over a year's time and they go find another career or it really just uncovers that they didn't actually love the sport to begin with. Not the case for Anaconda. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with Anna Kanyo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was close. That was close. I'll give you that. <laughs> so I still get Christmas cards from family members who like put an L on my name. 
So that's why I've like, I finally have somebody whose name I can like screw up as bad as like my blood relatives screw up my name. Go ahead. I'm all, I'm all for it. I mean, but when you were a kid, it was like Anna Kanju, Anna Kanja. I was like, nobody can say this girl's name right. I've heard it all. Yeah. <laughs> I was cognac like once. I was like, cognac? Yeah. I was, I was still underage. Cannot drink though. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of underage, you won the Junior Australian Open. Junior U.S. Open, WTA title uh, 18 months later, <laughs> you're like, parents should like write a book because everybody's parent tries to make a tennis player as good as they can, as fast as they can. How did your parents make all of that happen? Were they tennis players themselves? No, my dad was actually a football player before. Um, like American like... football or like European football? It's football in Europe. Okay, soccer like soccer. for you guys, okay, right. but we should like rewrite that anyways. Um, yeah, so he played football before, and my mom was just in school basically, and my dad just one day fell in love with tennis, and I had the older sister that played before, so he kind of got into it with her, and then I was on practices, you know, just collecting balls and you know building a ball kit for her, and then they gave me racket and one day I think I was like four or something. Um, and they actually saw that I have, you know, a talent, a sense with the ball or whatever. They're like, you know, let's get some balls. And suddenly, you know, I, you know, started practicing with her, with her coaches, and they saw I was getting really good, and they moved me with the grooves. But then again, that also was really fast. Uh, I kind of overgrew that. And then I was like at seven, you know, having my own coach, my own team as well, moving to another city when eleven, and so yeah, the rest is history. A team at seven, you mean like babysitter, <laughs> somebody to like change your diapers, a tennis coach, a mental coach, somebody to teach you how to write. Something like that. That's like a whole team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my sister was really like trying to get into juniors, so I was uh, like, you know, with her. And just, you know, moving to Zagreb at uh, 10, 11, my parents stayed back in Dubrovnik, so basically, you know, grew up with my sister and started playing. And then she uh, retired when she was like 18. And uh, I guess the pressure was on me now, and it turned out pretty well, though. Yeah, you handled it. <laughs> so you had like the best of both worlds, because a lot of people get good when they have older siblings who like, are the guinea pig. Oh, let's try this, let's try that. But I feel that. like everybody who has older siblings, the younger one is always better. Always? Yeah, because like, you know the mistake that you made with the, like, the first <laughs> one, so you know, let's get it better this one. <laughs> and then it sounds like you were four years old, because I was like, this girl must have been playing tennis as soon as she could walk, because for her to get this good this fast, and it's one thing to be good and like not have results, Yeah. but it's one thing to be good and like actually produce on the court. So your sister was a guinea pig. <laughs> they got it right with you. I hope she won't see this. That's <laughs> all right, because now you can like buy her a Birkin bag or something. Because yeah, now you can, you can like take care of her. And then you were four years old, and you were like at the back of the court, picking up balls, stealing all the yeah, attention. Yeah, but that was like you know, I don't move from the court. Like you're in her way, and I'm like, who's in, who's way right now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 win your first WTA title. You're on your road. What was that like? Because I see a lot of players struggle, like they get 260, they get 230, they finally get top 200, then they're 150, they're staying in like hotels. But you were like junior US Open champion, won a title, and then you're staying in the best hotels, and like life was good right away. So what was that like being so young and then like being like LeBron? I mean, just like looking back on it right now, um, I don't think that I, gave it much thought, honestly, just, you know, it, it was all I knew at that time, like, I didn't know anything better, um, and I was, like, 
pretty good pretty fast and I think just going back I don't know if that was the right way to go um, because of all the injuries that hit me a little bit later on um, so I'm not sure if I should recommend it or not but obviously I wouldn't change my career for the world and that was my way um, sometimes you know I wish that you know I've done some things better or not but um, it was all you know, you know everything that I did at that time was for my own Good and yeah, winning that title really changed things for me. Um, I won 2015, was it or not? I keep forgetting. Uh, but it was on grass, so you know I really love grass, and that was a big uh, stepping stone as well. And playing Fed Cup right after juniors, you know, Eva putting me in, just having that experience behind me and getting on tour. I moved up, you know, the rankings pretty good, pretty fast. I was a uh, top 20 with like, you know, 18, 19 or whatever. But, um, and then, you know, injuries hit and I kind of had to go all the way back and go through all that again. I go back to the shit hotels, you know, play 25Ks. <laughs> so I think like feeling right now, I appreciate it much more. And even though I feel like, I feel a bit more pressure-like right now and uh, because I know what it's like going back and I don't ever want to like do that. <laughs> I want to stay where I am and you know I get better. So I think that's like you know putting a little bit more on myself than before like I was young. I was good at tennis. I was doing what I you know like what I love and just enjoying day by day. I like if we wouldn't lose I wouldn't care. You know I was still like have a good three weeks per year and I would be like top 50. So. Right. See, you just let out the tour secret. With one tournament a year, I'm telling like you. semis of two others, and that's yeah, like a good Yeah, and year. that's it. Like, you know, perhaps maybe they did a slam, like that would be awesome, but yeah. I mean, grass season was always good for me, so. So you talk about maybe like some of the injuries. So you moved away from home at 10 or seven? Uh, 10. At 10, so yeah. you moved away from home at 10. You and your sister and left your parents behind. So that like gives you like the chance to kind of grow up because when I look at your ascent, when I look at the results, I was like, okay, she was mature at 15 to be able to handle it. Cause you know, we didn't, there's no stories about you going wild and crazy and like partying and doing all this kind of things. Like this girl was mature to be able to actually win a title, which is hard to do, but then kind of keep her composure. So tell me about like that to be so young and then like leave home and commit to tennis. Like what was your life like? Were you homeschooled? Was there any school at all? Well, actually going to school, but now how many days was I actually at school? That, that, that's a good question for my teachers. But they really, you know, they went out of their way just to help me. You know, I was, I would be on tournaments, you know, for a few weeks and come back. My actually mom would like do my homework, like, you know, rewrite from my other friends. And then I would just bring books with me. I was in the airplane, you know, or massage and like they would be talking and I would be just lying down and listening to it because that was the way I was, you know, the best learner. Um, and just, you know, gave me like really, you know, big chapters of um, school at, one, at once. And I think that was the way for me to finish at least the, you know, I don't know, primary school, yeah, how you call it, elementary school. Um, and then the high school, you know, I kind of went a little bit more serious, as you said, in tennis. And I was like, well, you know, I probably would go for my career rather than school. So I just kind of like took it in stride and just gave my exams uh, like a couple months when you just learn on the road and you come back, you know, you give your exam and that's it. So it was hard um, at that time, you know, just not having my parents with me, my other sisters as well, um, and just being on the road a lot. My team was basically my family because I would see them a lot more. Um, but then again, as I said, I don't think that I missed much because I think tennis gave me a lot more than what my friends had back home. So and I, I would never change it. So your sister was kind of like watching after you. Now, could she cook? 
Was it like, you know, how yeah. did that, were you like in a dorm or were you all your own apartment? You had to make your way back and from tennis? Well, we had our own apartment. Um, so she started cooking as well, then teach me and taught me, you know, doing the laundry and all that stuff. My parents would come like maybe, you know, once per week or something just to like to cook and then freeze that stuff and you just you know, put it in the microwave and you have like for pasta or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's been fun. It's been, I think, hell for them as well because they wouldn't like see each other a lot because of us. But we made it through, you know, I'm here. I think it was all worth it and I cannot wait to pay them back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So tell me about like when the injuries hit, right? Because you kind of rise so, you know, fast and then you're like sort of making all this momentum and you're like, now I got to start over again. Tell me like what types of injuries they were and the different surgeries and what made you stick with it. Because a lot of people can kind of like, eh. I just think like even just the past two years, a lot of people just retired, right? Like Gibbs and Christian. Yeah, okay, you know, right? So tell me about like the injuries and then how you made it all the way back. I mean, it was frustrating. I would say the best word is to describe it. Um, I've been having elbow issues since I was like 12. Mm. Um, so as I said, I'm not sure if starting that young was yeah, a good choice. issues? They don't know. Up until like this day, I had five surgeries. I've seen like 30 best doctors in the world for the elbow. They don't know what my issue is. So I've been just kind of dealing with uh, consequences. So I'm not sure what's the cause of the whole problem. Um, and I had my first surgery after junior career. So after I won an Australian Open, I think. Um, I was kind of like, you know, I should probably, before I move to pros, like do something about it. Because I was like taking painkillers every single day. Um, and then I uh, had it and I was good for three and a half years. Everything I've done in my career basically up to that uh, was before that. And then in 2017, after US Open, um, I kind of just woke up one day. I was in Toronto and I could not extend my arm. My elbow was locked like all of a sudden. And I did an MRI. They uh, found some impingements, like basically bones um, that should not be there. Um, so I had to like shave that down. And I was like, okay, let me play this open. I'm gonna do it, you know, in the off season. Um, and ever since then, honestly, I can't remember a day that I played without any kind of pain. Um, so I had four surgeries since 2017, and the last one was just like last October. Um, but the big one was in 2018. I had the ulnar ligament reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So they kind of basically uh, took my ligament from my leg, put it inside um, the elbow. They also moved the ulnar nerve. And the comeback was, I think, like 19 months. Mm -hmm. So I lost all my points, all my rankings, and as I said, it started <laughs> from zero. Tournaments, hotels. <laughs> Um, and especially like COVID hit at that time as well. So there were no tournaments. Everybody wanted to play. Um, it was really, you know, bad situation in the world. And I chose that time to come back. So just playing 25Ks was like WTA tournament at that time. So it was, it was really hard. But I think the most frustrating thing is just coming back every single time after your surgery and hoping that it's going to be okay finally. And just, you know, seeing that it's not and not knowing how to help yourself. But. So COVID, in a way, gave you a little more time to heal, right? Or did it hurt you because people held their points for so long 
That too. I up until this day, I have no idea how that system worked but with the points. I was like, don't even tell me. Like whatever I do, you know, I'm gonna give it my all and see what happens. So I have no idea. But in a way, sure, probably would have came back a little bit earlier if it wasn't for COVID. Like I would probably maybe push myself a bit more. Um, so it was a good thing that I gave myself time to heal properly and to come back. Um, but then again, as I said, you know, the tournaments were so hard that. Uh, it, was, it wasn't like before when I started first. So a lot of people like would take this situation and say, you know what, I actually made a good amount of money when I was a kid, and this is hard, there's a lot of stop and start, it's painful, like legitimately painful. Let me go do something else, you can go model, you can do a bunch of other things, right? <laughs> so what kind of keeps you going? Because I can honestly say, I've probably known four or five people in your situation who are now retired and now they're like modeling, and commentating and other things? Because I feel like I wouldn't be good at uh, other stuff. Like, you know, I found uh, my thing for life. My you would career. be good at the commentating. Like, before the Seriously? camera started rolling, all the stuff you were talking, <laughs> 100%, you'd be like a comedian. Like, that is one thing I never want to do. Like, I'm, I'm really not good at it. That's what I think, especially like talking with my coach after matches and stuff. And I'm kind of a player who's like, you know, playing on um, like, what I feel like, not what I actually know about tennis. <laughs> so it will be like just you know judging others doing stuff on the court. Um, I do a lot of bad things as well, so it wouldn't be good. Uh, but I'm really like maybe you know I'll be open to it in the future. You never know. But um, as I said, you know I wanted to do everything in my power to uh, be back on the court doing what I love. And you know as you said, I was really young when I uh, first started, and I think my career still has time for all the comebacks I want. Um, and I'm, I mean, when I stopped playing tennis, everybody maybe has a plan B or something, and I never really gave it much thought because it was never an option for me. But, um, you know, so maybe I'll start thinking about it now. <laughs> so the reason why I say modeling, because one of the secrets, you may not know this, people on tour admire your fashion. My fashion? Yeah, when you come to the player party, you're like, oh, that girl got some style for a Croatian girl. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh, she got some style. I'm like, for tennis, you know, tennis players, you know, we're not like the most swaggy type, you know, some of the outfits, you know, look a little crazy. Everybody got okay, little Bethany Maddox Sands in her, you know, like yeah. little Daniel Collins in her. But you know, yours kind of coming, I've heard other girls like, wow, she has style. Okay, well, thanks, thanks for telling me that. Um, I mean, you never know, as I said, I think the road is open after whatever, um, when I finish my career, so. Might be in fashion, might be commentating with you, might be doing this podcast in the future, you never know. We'll have our own comedy show, because before this, it was I like... love comedy shows. <laughs> well, we like that forehand better. So for now, okay. you know, <laughs> but for now, I mean, you know, look, we're happy to have you back on tour. I think the tour is like a, a close-knit family, and when someone's injured and someone's missing, everyone takes notice, so you were definitely missed. And we wish you luck, and we can't wait to see you slap that forehand, you know, that, that forehand, that backhand, you know, <laughs> lean into it. So. Welcome back to the tour, and we wish you all the health and all the best. Thank you very much, guys. This has been the Tennis.com podcast with Anna Kanyu. <laughs> You're getting better. Okay. <laughs> A couple more tries, and we'll have it. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you. Our next guest is Louisa Chirico. Also, battling injuries over and over again, took some time away experience a little bit of what real life is like. I call it civilian life in the city of New York, which can be exciting. And then coming back, started her, her, her comeback in Charleston, had a good win, 
and now come back with a title at a 60K in Charlottesville. Congratulations to Rita Louisa. Take a listen and hear what she's been up to the past three years and how she has got a little bit of normalcy, but now is back on the road, back committed to the game, and we're rooting for her. All right, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with somebody we have all missed on tour. She's going to tell us all about, like, normal life as, like, a normal citizen walking around, going to dinner, not having to pack a suitcase, Luisa Chirico. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Excited, excited to be back and excited to be here on this podcast. <laughs> so how's it feel? Well, first of all, three years ago, I wasn't doing the podcast. You're like, yeah, it's like kind of weird yeah. seeing you right here, right, with these microphones. <laughs> but how does it feel being back at a tournament with, like, you missed the whole, like, drag of playing tennis during COVID with no fans. Yeah. Now you're, like, coming back when it's, like, all getting good. You haven't, like, earned your stripes yeah. and even earned the right to play in front of a crowd. With fans again. Because you, like, totally were gone when it was like depressing and you were trapped in a hotel. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I actually played the US Open last year in Qualies and there were no fans in Qualies. So that was a little bit weird to just have like, I think I played on a pretty decently big court too. So it was like just my mom and my coach and like the other girl's mom and her coach and that was it. It was a little bit weird, but I mean, it's so awesome to be back with fans. And um, I mean, this tournament is a great one always. The fans get really into it. Like today I had so much fun out there and uh, yeah, so I'm just really excited to be back. So you were like getting hot, right? 2016, 2015, quarters of City Open, only to lose to the eventual winner. Then 2016, you were like getting hot and then like the injury hits. So when I think about like your career, I think you've always kind of been hot. Like when you were playing juniors, a lot of the colleges were recruiting you mm-hmm. because I thought they, they thought there was a chance you would actually go to college, right? I always find it interesting. Like, so Tommy yeah. Paul told me, North Carolina was recruiting him, but wouldn't give him a full scholarship. They offered like 50%. Okay. And now he's like Tommy Paul, right? Yeah. So what schools were like recruiting you, hoping that you go to college? Um, I was looking primarily at Stanford. Because um, you're smart, I forgot. I know. <laughs> Lily was recruiting me pretty hard. I, I mean, I was speaking to other coaches, like I was talking to Duke and UNC a little bit, UCLA, but um, I knew that if I went to college, I think I waited until the very end to decide to really pull the trigger and turn pro, but I, uh, yeah, I was mainly st- talking to Stanford at the end. So what made you, like, you know, go left instead of right, right? What made, what, was there like a particular win, or you were kind of like, yeah, I really don't want to study? You know what I mean? No. Like, what made you decide <laughs> to go pro? Yeah, um, I think I had given myself a ranking goal that I was in, if I was in the top, I think, 150 it was, that I would give myself the chance to turn pro. And I and I was at that time, so yeah, I turned pro. Like, mom, I'm and my, 49, yeah. I don't want to go to My school. parents, it took some convincing, for sure. They were, my mom went to Stanford, so she was pretty bummed that I wasn't going there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I have no regrets. I made the right decision. I'm, I'm extremely happy to be on tour. So you have like an interesting background. You talked about your mom. Like you're half Korean, mm-hmm. half white. And I'm always curious as to how people from cold weather climates find tennis. Like I found tennis because it was like convenient babysitting. Like it was an indoor facility around my school and my mom was like, well, you have three other siblings, you can walk there and I have to pick you up at seven o'clock, so good luck. Yeah. How'd you get into tennis? Which one of your parents? Um, my mom played tennis a little bit like in high school and just recreationally. She actually still plays now. Huh? Um, she's pretty, she's very competitive. She's into it. She plays all the women's leagues and stuff. 
like 3.5 or like 4.5? Like, she's like 5.0, like she's good. Oh, so she could like yeah, she, critique she your matches. Her way through. Yeah, yep. I've had my fair share of car rides back from tournaments with my mom telling me everything that I did wrong. <laughs> um, so my dad didn't really know anything about tennis, but he played a bunch of other sports and I actually played I mean, I played soccer, basketball, tennis. Growing up, I just, I played everything. My parents kind of put me in everything and tennis was the one that stuck. Um, so I think my mom put me in a clinic one day at, a, at the club where she would do her, her clinics and I just loved it. And I asked to go back and start doing lessons. And um, yeah, so I got pretty into it pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, she had the easy road. Cause normally yeah. it's like, they made me do it for a little while, no. and then I fell in love. Like no. one time and you were hooked. Yeah, I was pretty, I, yeah. I mean, I loved all sports. I played soccer pretty seriously until I was like 14, too. So um, had to make that choice, I think, as every kid does that plays a lot of sports. But um, yeah, I was about 14 when I focused exclusively on tennis. <laughs> so tell me about the car rides, because you know I coach a lot of kids as well, right? And so I always tell the parent, we had a great practice. Yeah. Um, let me be the bad guy. Don't undo what I did in on this hour-long car ride. Yeah. Right. Um, and let me be the bad guy. You be the parent. So tell me about some of those car rides because, like, neither one of my parents played tennis. Mm -hmm. My mom, still to this day, has never seen me hit a tennis ball. Really? So I didn't get like the whole crazy tennis parent thing. Yeah. But as a coach, I'm always like, that poor kid's got to ride home with their dad. Is this gonna like? You missed five forehands, or you were up 40 love, and you choked, that kind of thing. So tell me about the car rides with your mom. Um, I mean, I joke, but I'm pretty lucky. My parents are both very, very supportive, and they're not, they're not crazy tennis parents in any, in any way. I mean, my mom is very competitive, and I think she loves to watch tennis, so she loves to come watch me. And of course, it's more fun when I'm winning than losing. But um, uh, my dad has never even like played tennis once in his life. He's just, he just loves to watch all sports, so he's just been um, thrilled that I'm now a professional athlete um but yeah i kind of i mean i got really lucky my parents are really supportive they're still very supportive my mom's here this week with me um so i i uh but i've definitely had my fair share of like a bad loss and then driving home and my mom telling me you know should have done this should have done this but i think that's just normal <laughs> did you get your phone taken away um no but i was pretty i was pretty chill on court i think if i ever like you know through a tantrum or something like that, my dad would get really mad at me. So I, I, I was never like bad on court like that. I didn't throw my racket or anything like that. But uh, I think I would have got my phone taken away if I had, had done that. <laughs> yeah. So during COVID, right? So you got injured like, you know, years ago, but you kind of like didn't really miss much because you had like two years almost where there were no fans, um, points were like holding, they were like taking points off like one every 52 weeks. Yeah. Um, tell me what normal life was like, having been a tennis player, probably missed prom, and missed them tons of parties, tons of birthdays, and then you like fully committed to tennis, then you have like this three year period where you get to enter the real world. Tell me how that was. It was it was a little bit strange. I mean, I got injured and uh, I mean, I couldn't play at all at the end of 2019, I think for like a good six months, even before COVID or anything. Um, 
And so I was just doing like physical therapy. I mean, as you know, like physical therapy, I was doing fitness. Um, I was trying to hit every couple days, just go out for an hour, 30 minutes, something like that. But with my shoulder- With the softball, like with the red ball, Just like balls. mini tennis even, like my shoulder was just not having it at that point. So I took a good like six months off where I didn't pick up a racket and I just let it heal. Um, did a lot of physical therapy. I didn't have surgery, almost was at that point, but then um, started kind of getting better on its own and I've been lucky with that. But um, yeah, I mean, got to live kind of a normal life for a little bit, which is different. Something I feel like I haven't done since I was like 15, right? <laughs> um, but I definitely missed it. I mean, I missed it after like one month, if I'm being honest. Like I was ready to get back. Yeah, I know. So what did you do to stay close to the game? Obviously you gotta do physical therapy, you gotta like keep your fitness to get ready. But you see like people like get injured and they go commentate or they get injured yeah. and they go like volunteer with kids. What did you do to stay close to the game or did you watch tennis? Cause you know, a lot of people don't watch tennis yeah. who actually play tennis. Yeah, I watch, a, I wouldn't say I watch like a ton of tennis. Like I'm not every day watching, but um, I do enjoy watching. So I was during that period of course watching, but it's, all, it's also weird when you're injured to watch cause you're a little bit like, I mean, I was a little bit antsy to get back out there, so it was almost, you know, frustrating to not be able to play. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed watching tennis. I also tried to, you know, I spent the time when I was injured at home, so I tried to catch up with friends and, like, spend a lot of time with my family, stuff that, like, I wouldn't normally get to do um, just being on the road so much. So I tried to, like, make the most of the time I had at home, too. So that was kind of my take. <laughs> you didn't like enroll in online school. Like people are like, oh, oh. You know I'm injured. I'm going to go get a degree now. Well, I actually am. I am on, uh, studying online anyway. Before I got injured, I was doing that anyway. So <laughs> I, I ramped up my schoolwork, that's for sure. Instead of like two or three courses at a time, I was taking like four, five. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, now I'm back to like one or two while I'm traveling because it's hard <laughs> when you're traveling. There's not a lot of downtime. <laughs> it's so funny because people say, oh, you don't do anything. You got one hour of practice, two hours of practice, and you watch a match and you go, I'm like, no, it's like a process. Yeah. Like, you got to get there, you got to stretch, day. warm up, yeah. scout. It's like a day. It's not, I'm like, so like my family gives me a hard time. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're out of town and I'm here with the kids. I'm like, it's not that easy. Yeah, it's not like a vacation, right? Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah. So, you know, while you were away, I'm sure you saw people that you were playing who were like kind of like playing and rising. Like I know you look at like people look at like, you know, Sviantec now like yeah. I like just beat her in juniors and now she's number one in the world. Who were you watching that had the opportunity to obviously continue to play without any injury interruptions? You're like, damn, I used to always beat that. You know, I should um, be where they are. I don't know if it was like a, I should be where they are. I think. I mean, I'm competitive, but I think it's like a healthy competitive where yeah. I was watching people that I knew um, do well and people that I had beaten or, or been close with. Um, so it was kind of motivating almost to see like the people doing well and um, just that, you know, when I get back, it was like more motivating to that I could get to that level too and get my game back. Um, and so I'm still working at it. I mean, I've been playing almost not even a full year since my injury yet, but uh, my goal is to play a full season this year. So slowly but surely working back. I mean, I'm just grateful to be here, honestly. Like my shoulder's been good, knock on wood. And, uh, yeah. Like every little twinge of pain, you like get nervous. Like, oh my God, I'm just, was injured again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to be smart with it and not schedule myself, spread myself too thin, but um, at the same time, play as much as I can. Yeah. So life on tour has changed since you've been gone. There was no, 
Bubbles, Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. There was no Uber Eats when you were like there, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're back into the mix now. How are you come? So are you like dropping your bags, looking for your favorite type of food, or are you like, yeah, I just want to like rest and Uber Eat? What, what's your routine like now versus before? I like to go out to dinner on the road. I think it's like spending too much time in your hotel or Airbnb or wherever you are can get like kind of boring and a little bit isolating. So I like to go out and you know have dinner with other players or my coach, my mom is here this week. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, the beauty of what we do is like we know people everywhere. I feel like I go, you know, I was just in LA for a couple tournaments and I had friends out there that I stay with and it's just, um, I'm lucky that I know people kind of all over the world, all over the country at least. And uh, so I try and like be as social as I can, but at the same time, not tire myself out. <laughs> so what place are you looking, most looking forward to getting back to? Um, like city, right? Tournament, venue. And then what place are you like, oh, I got to play a 25 and a, and a 50 and a 125 and I really want to go to this place. Um, I would say I'm most excited to go back, hopefully to Paris this year or Wimbledon because I didn't play Wimbledon last year. And uh, it's been a, several years since I've been back out there on the grass. have not stepped foot on a grass court in a while, so it'll be interesting. But um, yeah, that would be my goal. And then... I don't know if there's anywhere that I'm not looking forward to playing. I mean, like I said, I'm just, <laughs> if my shoulder's good and I'm in the draw, I'll be happy, honestly. <laughs> well, the tour is happy to have you back. You give such good answers. You're so polite. It's like, okay, give, give me a city you want to oh, go. Um, no, honestly, I can't even think of one right now. Like, I, I was playing a bunch of 25s when I started out again because without my protected ranking and stuff. And, um, like, it's just great to be back in a tournament. Honestly, I can't lie. <laughs> so grateful, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, great. we're grateful to have you back on tour. Your smile is infectious. Everyone can't wait to see it. We want to wish you a lot of luck, and I thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. And now we had the chance to sit down with Allie Kick. Allie also dealt with a lot of injuries, stayed committed to the game, has Lisa Raymond in her corner to kind of keep her engaged with the game. Kathy Rinaldi also very instrumental in keeping Ali Kick close to the game throughout all her injuries. Uh, when she was a kid, she was the one. She was the one people watched for at the Girls 14s, Super Nationals in Peachtree City, Georgia. She was the one at the San Diego. She was posed as the one that was gonna be the top of that class and then injuries hit. Once again, this is a testament to someone's true love for the game. We've seen knick-knack injuries derail people's career and actually just expose that they don't love the game. For these three young women, Ana Kanju, Louisa Chirico, and now Ali Kick, these are three people that we can honestly say, given what they've gone through and the other options they could have gone off and just started their life after tennis, they chose to stay committed, stay working out, and start their comebacks. Take a listen and see what Ali Kick has been up to the past three years. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are with everyone's favorite girl, Allie Kick. We're always jealous, but she gets to be a civilian more than most of us. We're wondering where she is. Is she healthy? When we gonna see her again? So we're now got a chance to kick, to kick back with her and see what she's been up to. But the first question is, you come from a very athletic family. Both parents athletes. 
And we know to make a tennis player as good as you, it always takes one psychopath. Which one of your parents was like the one that like just drove the bus and was a crazy tennis parent? So I feel like it's a little bit of both. Um, but my mom was always like behind the scenes. So everyone thought she was like the nice, calm one. And then behind the scenes, she was kind of like the crazier one. Um, but my dad, you know, he was the one who would just scream while I was on court and, you know, call me all sorts of names. And we'd just, you know, banter back and forth on the court and stuff. But when I came off the court, he was actually like the nicer one. So they kind of like reversed roles. So your mom was the one would drive you to practice and then you get that long car ride home and she sit there and lecture you the whole oh, yeah. ride home. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, those were the days. And juniors, when you'd get those lectures that were like, when you knew you had a long drive home and you had to just sit back there and just listen and listen. And it was like, it was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it was just practice. Why are we talking about practice? Yeah, oh yeah, I heard it all. But you know, they are great parents. They're just super competitive, <laughs> so. They're, they're definitely both a little crazy. But you know what's funny is that as a tennis player, if your dad is on the sideline coming at you mm -hmm. and you're on the court, that's like the only time where you can come back at him yeah. and not get slapped. Oh, 100%. That's, that's why I did it, too. And he'd be like, you can't talk to me that way. I'm like, what are you going to do about it, Dad? Right, right. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about it? Right. And I was all, like, smart when I was on the court. And then when I came off the court, I was like, oh. Power of Yeah. It's like, oh, why did I do that? about what I just Yeah. <laughs> So you said you were part of this crazy class of 95 babies. Like that was like a famous class. Mm -hmm. Duvall, Sasha, Madison, you. Mm -hmm. How did you like find your way in that group of players? Because I remember like thinking like, how did all these great tennis girls born in the same year happen? Yeah, it was really difficult. And I was always kind of like mad that I had like such a hard year. Um, but. I remember Sasha, um, Sasha Grace, Grace Mann, she's actually a year older, um, Vicki DeVal and Madison were always like the top girls. And they were just in a completely different category than I was. Um, and then kind of as, as I got older, you know, I started to kind of work myself up a little bit more. Obviously, Madison's, you know, way up there. <laughs> um, and Sasha and I are just, you know, trying to keep on going here, trying to get up there just like Madison. But, you know, it was, it was great to have them um, just because it was like, they were kind of inspirations, you know? And it's like, oh, if they're doing it, I can, I can do it. Yeah. So. so you talked about like Sasha, like you've been grinding it out and everyone knows you struggle with some injuries. Mm -hmm. Tell us about like maybe perhaps some of your injuries and like the good part about being injured, you get to like be normal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was out um, like three and a half years with my knees, which was kind of unheard of to come back from. Um, I was told that I possibly wouldn't be able to come back. So um, that was really tough for me, but um, I did all the rehab and I did all the work necessary and I made it back, which is really exciting. But, you know, being out for that long, I definitely got a taste of what real life is about. I worked a job making 25 an hour, coaching tennis lessons, which was, it was tough. Um, I was coaching little kids. Oh. And yeah, it was definitely quite the adjustment. So uh, it was a learning experience for sure. But I did get to ex experience, you know, all the little things in life that you do appreciate, you know, birthdays, um, weddings and stuff like that, which I really loved. 
So I missed my son's birthday yesterday. So I totally oh, get I'm it. I'm sorry. Right? Seven oh. years old. I'm like the worst dad on the planet. Oh, no. Um, but I am interested. So like, you know, when people of your caliber, like come work at a club, like teaching kids, mm -hmm. people walk in my club and say, okay, I want to work with the best kids because I played D3 tennis. Yeah. Right? I'm like, no, you're going to work with red ball. So when you worked your job, mm -hmm. first of all, for 25 bucks an hour, I mean, somebody who was top 100 in the world, you should be getting like 50. It was tough. Um, <laughs> it was tough. But like, did they make you start with like red ball or were you, boom, high performance director? No, I, uh, I was teaching red ball. Right. I was starting with red ball. Uh, it was basically like on the weekends, I would teach kids that were literally like three years old and I had to teach them how to walk the dog, you know, with the racket. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what, like, how to do this. Like, right. I don't know how to walk the dog. There were no red balls when you were like a kid. By no. The so it's like a no. whole new system. A whole new system. And, you know, these other coaches are telling me, you know, kind of like these drills to kind of do with these kids. And I'm like, I just know how to hit a forehand. Like, I don't know how to do a continental grip. Like, I just just hit a forehand with topspin, you know? And it's, so it was, a, it was a huge adjustment for me. It's fun, but definitely an adjustment. Because I would say you'd be like a great hitting partner. They got a good junior, mm -hmm. and then Allie's on staff. Boom, grind out with Allie, right? No, no it wasn't that. Wasn't that? Mm -mm. No, I, I wish I had that, but right. it, was, it was a lot of babysitting and kind of teaching tennis combined, yeah. So what keeps you going? Because I've, I've seen a lot of people get one injury. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. you know what? I can't come back from it. It's too hard. The rehab is too hard. The rehab is too long. It's too painful to watch these other girls do it. So they totally go the other way. Mm -hmm. What kind of kept you going forward, right, and like wanting to come back? Um, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, I think the love, love of the game. But I'm not going to lie. There were definitely moments where I was like, you know, I'm enjoying normal life. Um, and so it definitely made it difficult to come back, but ultimately it was like there was a missing piece in my life when I didn't have tennis. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if it was like, I got a taste of real life having to work a job. It was like, you know what? Playing pro tennis is way better than that. So I'm Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. It just, like, it just, like you said, you know, you miss a lot when you're on tour. Mm -hmm. And I think when I full when I had the opportunity to actually experience it all, it was just like, wow, this is this is really nice. You know, I get to go out on the weekends and I get to have fun. And it's like you don't have to worry about training, you don't have to worry about the stress of a tournament and all that stuff. And so, you know, I did miss it, but there were also a lot of things that I didn't miss. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it definitely came down to that missing piece of my life and it's tennis. <laughs> So when you were off, you got a lot, of chance, a lot of time to spend with your family, right? Yes. So everyone, your dad's like famous football player. <laughs> Tell us about your dad and, you know, like while you were injured, right, how he kind of helped you through that. Because he obviously dealt with injuries. As a football player, they mm -hmm. get injured every week, right? So tell us about the relationship kind of toward the end there when you were at home. Like, oh, I get to spend time with him. Yeah, I mean, he's always been such a powerful impact in my life just because he is who he is. Um, he, uh, he was actually suffering from dementia at the time, so I didn't really get the chance to have that conversation with him because he didn't like fully understand any of it. But just kind of having his presence and, you know, just looking at him and being like, wow, he's Jim Kick, you know, and he, he made it to where he, where he did. And it's like injuries to him were absolutely nothing. You know, he broke his finger and they would just send him back out. And I mean, he played with things that are just completely unheard of. <laughs> And so, you know, he was just kind of an inspiration, and I wanted to be like him, but in the tennis world. Uh -huh. Nothing stops you. 
So here's my dementia story. So my mom died of dementia. Gosh, I'm sorry. And 2017, when Sloan's playing the U.S. Open, mm -hmm. it was like, she was like really starting to lose it. So my, we flew her to New York. That was the first tennis match she'd ever been to. So when I was oh. growing up, my mother never came to watch me play tennis. Not to practice, nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So we were, my, my sister flew her up and was like, all right, we're going to take you to a tennis match. So she comes to watch a tennis match. And after the match, obviously Sloan wins. And she's like, come on, that girl can really hit the ball. Can you do that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, my mom kick her in I was like, I kick her ass. She's like, oh, okay. I was wondering, because I remember writing all those checks. I was just wondering like where it would lead. She's like, this ain't a bad place for it to lead, right? Aww. So that's like my dementia story. Like, that's so oh. cute. Oh, um, well, we obviously miss you on tour, right? And everyone misses your smile. Tell us about Lisa Raymond, because you've got like a Hall of Famer in your corner <laughs> now with the best advice, right? Mm -hmm. One of the best doubles players ever to play the game, also a top 20. Tell us about the impact that she's had on you and how you tolerate Lisa. Because I know I'm around Lisa for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, yeah, all right, bye Lisa, I'm gone. Yeah, I don't tolerate her. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Lisa is incredible. She is, she has the biggest heart of anyone I ever know. And I mean, she is family to me. Um, so I'm super grateful for that. But, you know, she has been through so much with me. Um, you know, my injuries, when my dad passed, she was just my rock through it all. And, you know, all my success from here on out, I owe to her. She is just uh, truly an inspiration. She's been by my side through it all. And, I mean, she's incredible. Look at, look at her, you know, look at what she's accomplished in her life. I'm still in awe of her, honestly. Like, I'm like, do you realize how good you are? Right. You know, we'll be walking around the grounds and people will come up to her, not me, her. Right. They'll be like, can I have a picture? And I'm like, just step aside. Right. Like, <laughs> so she can still hit a ball. Can she beat you? Oh, she's going to say she can, but no. 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 She doesn't have the movement anymore. Ah. Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> she'll, just, she'll just serve in volleys just to get the point over with. Yeah. Right? Oh, she serves in volleys and she does that slice crap. And I'm like, <laughs> Lisa. That's a lost art in the women's game now, yeah. slice crap, right? Oh, I have to hear about it every time. She's like, no one can slice. No one can slice. You got to hit the slice. Like, okay, Lisa. I got it. Okay. Like, they, they hit the ball too big now to slice it. Uh, thank you, Kamal. Thank you. I hope she hears that. I'll catch her at the bar tonight. Yeah, I'll yeah. get her straight. Okay, thank you. Right. Please. <laughs> well, we thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for we having me. We for you. We're glad to see you back and hope to see you more often. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.